Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Awesome. God is so good. Well, we're going to be talking about our confession. How many of you thank God? Amen. The testimony of Jesus. In Revelation 19, we began there last week. Verse 10 says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we talked about last week how your lifestyle testifies of Jesus, that Jesus is alive, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is coming again. And, and you need to live the Christian life. You need to demonstrate your faith. People need to be able to see your faith. But you know what? They also need to be able to hear your faith. And in Revelation chapter 1, verse 2, it, uh, John says, I am one who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. In fact, he was so bold about it, he says in verse 9 that I was in Patmos, that he was persecuted for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Praise God. In fact, they thought we're going to shut this guy up for good. We're going to put him on Patmos, this island where we banish prisoners, and nobody's going to ever hear from him again. But he got in the spirit on the Lord's day. Him and Jesus and the Holy Ghost all went to church. And Jesus revealed himself to him. And he said, the things which you've seen right in a book, the things which were, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And almost everybody has heard about the revelation of Jesus Christ in the whole world. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. So he had a tremendous revelation of Jesus. He was actually persecuted for that. He endured some spiritual battles because of that. It talks about in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. But he was bold about his testimony of Jesus. And you need to boldly live for Jesus, and you need to boldly proclaim Jesus. And sometimes, you know, when we're in the world, right, we get a little flack for boldly proclaiming Jesus. In fact, this week while I was at the gym, one of the people that's there kind of spoke up to me, and he was talking to me about some crazy things that have been happening in the government. And sometimes you see those. He, he said, well, aren't you glad that Warnock won? Now, he knows, I'm sure, that I'm a conservative. And I'm not glad that Warnock won. And I told him, no, I'm not glad that Warnock won. I'm I'm disappointed. He said, why? I said, because of the policies. Number one, he said, what? I said, number one, abortion. I believe God is pro-life. In fact, if you've read Psalm 139 and Jeremiah chapter 1, you'll know that God is pro-life. Amen? And so, you know, so he asked me about that. So he asked me another question. He said, do you believe in capital punishment? I said, yes, I do. The Bible says you shall not murder, but if people are going to go and take innocent life, so on and so forth, I think, you know what, capital punishment in some cases is necessary. And I think if we had a little bit more of it, we'd stop a lot of the crazy. That's my personal opinion. If you don't have it, that's okay. He says, so I suppose you believe in the freedom to bear arms. I said, well, yes, I do. He said, well, well, what about this? I said, well, in Mexico, they don't let the average citizen bear arms, and the drug lords have taken over the country. And the countries that have the strictest gun control laws, they are the countries that, that have the most violent crimes. Higher percentage of violent crimes in countries with the strictest gun control laws. So I believe in the freedom to bear arms. Whether you do or not, that's your own opinion, but that's what my opinion is. 
So he was kind of attacking me for these things and so on and so forth. But anyway, we visited just a little bit, but I, I held my ground. Praise God. And I said, you know, he knows who I am. He knows what I believe, so on and so forth. But sometimes we live in a world where we think, you know, it looks like the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket. But at the same point in time, you know, last Sunday night, Barbara and I went up to Denver University to a, a Christmas concert. And it was a children's concert. And they had kids between kindergarten and seniors in high school. They had boys' choirs, girls' choirs, mixed choirs. And you know what? It is really hard to take Christ out of Christmas. And it was a beautiful concert. In fact, in the, in the middle or towards the end, they had a group called Male Voice. Guess what? Right here at this liberal university, right, where they want to say how many? Uh, it's crazy. But, you know, when they dig your bones up, if they dig your bones up, you know, a few hundred years from now, if we last that long, this, this whole place is going to burn up, by the way, if you read 2 Peter chapter 3. I believe this thing's going to, God's going to, he's going to, it's not going to be an atomic bomb. God's going to take it out. This heaven and earth is going to burn up, and we're going to go into a new heaven and earth wherein dwells righteousness that sin has never messed up. But if they dig your bones up after you die between now and then, guess what? They can tell whether you're a male or a female because of your DNA. Hallelujah. But anyway, this, this instructor, who is a DU grad, is moving on to another position. Now, that wasn't a paid or not a full-time position, but he's got a position. He's moving away from the area, so he's not going to be able to do that choir. So they let him pick a song to sing, and he honored the instructor before him that taught him in college who started the male voice group, and he said, we're going to perform for you shalom. And he, he quoted the words, shalom, peace I leave with you, my peace I give with you, not as the world gives, give I to you. John chapter 14, verse 27. Of course, shalom is the Hebrew name for Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. And then he said, this is my prayer for you in departing. My prayer for you, and he told the, the group of people that were watching the concert, and he told all the students, my prayer for you is this, that you would have peace and he said, the world cannot give it to you. So I knew immediately, this man is a believer in Jesus. Praise God. So right here in the middle, middle of this liberal university is someone speaking with a strong Christian voice. And of course, you know these, Christian so these Christmas songs, it's really hard to get Christ out of Christmas. Amen? So it was a beautiful concert. And then on Monday afternoon, later in the afternoon, my father-in-law called me. He's now living in South Carolina. He said, see, you Boulder just hired a new head coach. They hired Deion Sanders. And he said, I saw the interview. And he says, for about 15 minutes of the interview, it was a 35-minute interview, he boldly professed Jesus. He boldly professed his faith in Jesus. And so he said, you got to, and it was Tuesday evening before I got time to sit down and, and watch this interview, but I, I noted a few things that Dion said. He said, God always gives me opportunity to do the unthinkable. He said, I'm too blessed to be stressed. 
He said, this is a dream. This is a blessing, and we've only just begun. In fact, one of the reporters at the end questioned him a little bit, and she said, there's so much excitement in this, like when we've won the conference before. He said, oh, you haven't seen nothing yet. They said, do you think you're too confident? He said, absolutely not. God is with me, and we're going to win. Hallelujah. He, he boldly professed faith in God. And it, it, was, it was really good. Hallelujah. And he said, you know, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He said, God takes us to unlikely places. And he uses unlikely people to do unlikely things. Now listen, the liberals are going, because of who he is, they're going to have a real hard time criticizing him. He said, listen, I don't care if you criticize me all you want to, but I'm, I'm going to stand for my faith. So I thank God that even in the midst of all the crazy that's going on the in the world, there's a glimmer of hope. There's a light that shines. Praise God. And I believe that we can shine bright in this world. I believe that we can have not only a lifestyle of faith, but I believe that we can boldly profess Jesus and profess our faith. Amen? In fact, there's a lady at the gym. She was there today. This morning, I went to the gym early. I ran two and a half miles. I swam, you know, 800 or 1,000 meters. And I was going out, and, and she's been telling me, a lady in our church named Wendy Bear led her to Jesus a few years ago. And so I've been talking to her some about Jesus. She, she used to be quieter. But last week, she said, Jesus has been good to me. He's really been blessing me. Last Sunday, she told me when I was leaving the gym, she said, she said, you know, I've been writing down all these testimonies in a book, all the good things that Jesus has been doing for me. She said, I listened to a sermon on the radio this morning. It must be a syndicated sermon on one of the big radio stations. And today she told me, you know, you always tell me blessing. Have a blessed day. And she just said, I want to tell you today that Jesus has blessed me. I, I got a kick out of it. And you know what? She was there telling me how Jesus blessed her. Another person that has seen us at the gym, seen Barbara and I there a number of times, came in. And so here she was telling her about how Jesus had blessed her. Hallelujah. And you know what? We all need to be sharing our testimony. John said, I bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. In fact, did you know what? Your confession of faith, your confession is connected to your possession. I love something that Mark Hankins says. He says that your voice is your address in the realm of the Spirit. And if you want to change what you're receiving, you've got to change what you're believing and what you're speaking. In fact, it is working for you. The Bible actually says this. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit of it. That scripture is either working for you or it's working against you. You know, if you can't say anything positive, maybe you shouldn't say anything at all. Some people think that Barbara and I never have any challenges. You know why you think that? Because we don't tell you about them until they're a testimony. Most of the time when we're going through it, and we have plenty of issues. As you can see, we were just on the stage. We have plenty of issues. <laughs> right? But, but we really don't tell people about all of our issues. We don't tell people about our different difficulties and different problems. Amen? 
We accentuate the positive. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit of it. David said it like this. He said, teach me, O Lord, to set a watch over my mouth. You've got to guard your tongue. James is a great book on faith. In James chapter 3, James talks about the power of our words. And in verse 3 through 6, he says in verse 3 that your tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. And you know what? You can take a six-inch bit, put it in the mouth of a 1,200-pound stud horse, put a 70-pound six-year-old child on that stud horse, and that 70-pound child can control a 1,200-pound stud horse with a six-inch bit. He says, that's how your words are. They have the power to turn the whole thing around. Amen? He says, your words in the next verse are, are, are like a rudder on a ship. And even though a ship is a great ship, it's turned with a little helm that turns a little rudder. You can turn that whole ship around 180 degrees and turn it right back around with the power of the tongue. He said your tongue is a powerful member. He says in verse 6 or verse 5, it's set on the fire of hell. And he says it has the power to change the course of nature. It's like a spark setting a fire. You can change the direction that you're going. You can change the direction that nature is working in your life by the power of your words. Amen? Listen, we've got, I've got confession cards out there in the front, right? And I not only have confession cards, right? This is a brand new one that we just came out with over our children. Don't think it's by chance that we're receiving what we're receiving. Praise God, because we've been believing and speaking the word for a long, long time. Amen? But we have also have confession cards on health and healing. We also have confession cards on provision. Don't think it's by chance. I've had plenty of opportunities to go broke, but I just keep passing them up. And I keep saying what God says about me. And some people get mad because of what we say in the area of financial provision. I'm sorry. You need to get to the Bible, start reading your Bible. And if you start reading your Bible and believing what it says, you'll have to agree with it. Hallelujah. In fact, I've got a good book. This person the other day attacked me to Jim. He said, I suppose you believe in prosperity. I said, yes, sir. I wrote a book on it. I suppose you believe on healing. Yes, sir. I believe in that too. Hallelujah. Now, he has a rational, unbelieving reason why everything is just up to nature instead of up to God. But there is a God, and he's alive, and his word has power, and his word will work for you if you'll believe it. Amen. So we have those. We have in Christ realities. That's another one of the teachings that we do. You need to understand who God says you are and what God says about you. It will literally change your life. But it's working for you, that your words. And so just like your tongue can set the fire on, on, on fire, the course of nature, in a negative way, it can set on fire the course of nature in a positive way. And I've been believing this for a long time. In fact, years and years ago, there was a man who came to a person who came here on a regular basis, and he, he criticized me. For, for, he said, all you learn at Pastor Lawson's church, and you go out there, I've got at least 50 series on that table, and I've got at least 100 that we've taken out of service, okay? So I've got at least 50 on that table. 
on a lot of different subjects. Amen? But he says, all you learn if you go to Pastor Lawson's church is about believing and speaking the word. And this person said, I looked at you and I looked at your life. And I looked at your marriage, and I looked at your children, I looked at your family, I I looked at the church, I looked at your ministry, and I looked at this guy, he just got out of jail for something, I said, I believe I'll keep going to Pastor Lawson's church. (laughs) And some of these people say one thing and do another, but listen, I believe in doing what we say, amen, and we do our best to live the gospel. Now, when we think about that, James talks about it, it also talks about this in Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. The scripture says this, as the rain comes down from the heaven and the snow and it causes the earth to bring forth in bud so that it gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He says in verse 11, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, empty, lacking, vain, but it will accomplish what I please and it will prosper the thing that I send it to. The word will prosper. The word will not, Isaiah 55, verse 11, it will not return to God void. It will accomplish what he pleases. Amen? And it will prosper the thing he sends it to. Amen? So keep believing and speaking God's word. Keep saying what God says about you. Your confession is connected to your possession. Your confession is also connected to your faith. Jesus said it this way, In Mark chapter 11, verse 22 to verse 24, he was really teaching on the building blocks of faith. He said, have faith in God. For verily I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24 says this, therefore... Whatsoever things you desire when you pray. When you pray, what do you want? When you get in the presence, what do you want? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now I want you to look very closely at verse 23. When you look at verse 23, it talks about believing how many times? One time. It talks about speaking how many times? Three times. And the fact is, you are speaking what you believe at a heart level. And I'm not just talking about speaking when you come to church and want to look pretty for all your Christian friends. I'm talking about what you're saying at midnight when you're laying in bed. What's coming out of your heart? Because what you believe in your heart and what you speak with your mouth, amen, will come to pass. Hallelujah. So you need to be believing and you need to be speaking Right, what you believe in speak. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12, verse 34. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Matthew 12, verse 37, he said, by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. And so your words, you are speaking what you believe at a heart level on a regular basis. So if you want to change what you're receiving, you change what you believe at a heart level, and it'll change what you speak, and it will change what you receive. Amen? It works. Jesus said it works. You're going to question Jesus, or are you going to believe what he says? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul's talking about how when we're facing battles in the physical, we win in the realm of the Spirit. Right, He's talking about the physical realm, and he's talking about the spiritual realm. 
And he's talking about we're in 2 Corinthians 4, before and after this. We're victorious in the realm of the spirit, but yet in the physical realm, sometimes we have challenges. So how do we do that? He says in verse 13, we then having the same spirit of faith. We have a major attitude of faith, right? You think Pastor Lawson has an attitude? You're absolutely right. He does. We have a major spirit. We have a spirit of faith. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore we speak. Now, who's he talking about? Actually, Paul is quoting David. But I believe David in the Psalms, but I believe David got this from Jesus. Amen? And, and from God in the beginning, because in the beginning when God created the heaven and earth, God spoke it into existence. Amen? And we have the power with our faith, amen, to, to change situations. God created heaven and earth with his word. In fact, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is a book all about faith. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now then, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think about that. I don't believe that is the definition of faith. I'm going to define faith for you. What is faith? Faith is confidence. Faith is assurance. Faith is belief. Faith is trust. People of faith are people who know God. People of faith are people who walk with God. But I believe what he's talking about, faith is the substance of things we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. I believe what the writer of Hebrews is saying is when you have faith, your life has substance in a God that you have hope in. And we can tell people are people of faith by what they do. Now then, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When you have faith, I believe that your life is the evidence to, to a world of a God that they cannot see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Verse 3 says this, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which do appear were not made of things which are seen. In other words, God took words which you cannot see and he framed the world. And things that you see now are made of words that God spoke. God spoke creation into existence. Verse 4, let's look at verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 says this. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Abel made an offering. It, he received a witness from God. God testifying, right? We're talking about the testimony of faith. God testified of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaks. 
Abel's still speaking to us. His blood still cries from the ground. Righteous, redeemed, free. Amen? His blood still. And so Abel made a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now what did Abel do? Abel gave the first. Abel gave the best. Right? What did Cain do? Cain gave the leftovers after the process of time. He brought the leftovers. He brought the remnants. Abel brought the first fruit. Amen. I'm a first fruit giver. I don't know about you, but I'm a first fruit giver. And the first time when I get paid, the first thing that I do is I write out checks, giving checks. And if you want to know where my heart is, all you got to do is look at my checkbook. And my checkbook register will tell you where Lawson's heart is. Amen? Praise God. Abel gave the first. He gave the best. That's how I live. Amen? Cain, after a process of time, Cain gave the leftovers. I'm not a leftover giver. Amen? Now, Abel gave the first. He gave the best. God testified of his gift. And by that gift, those gifts, Abel being dead, yet speaks. Okay, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he would not see death and was found because God translated him. For before he, his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. People of faith are people who know God. People of faith are people who walk with God. Enoch walked with God. Enoch knew God. Without faith, he says in verse 6, it's impossible to please him, please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, number one, both that he is, and number two, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. See, the devils believe in God. The devils know they're a God. There's a God, but they, they don't put those two together, that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now let's go a little farther. See, he talks about all these people of faith, and you can tell that they're people of faith because of what they did, and then secondly, because of what they said. So he says, Noah built an ark. Abraham looked for a city. Sarah received strength to conceive seed when she was past age and brought forth a child. Right, But then he goes on down, and let's look at verse 20 to verse 22, and look at what he says here. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. In other words, Isaac spoke things to come. He spoke into the future, right, of his son's lives. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, his grandsons, and worship leaning on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. He said, listen, we're in Egypt, but we're not going to be in bondage forever. We're not going to be in Egypt forever. We're going to go to the promised land. By the way, when we go, take my bones with you. Hallelujah, because I wasn't made for Egypt. I was made for Canaan. I wasn't made for slavery. I was made for the promise. I wasn't made for bondage. I was made for having my own place. Hallelujah. 
Amen. So you can see that these people are people of faith. Number one, by what they say. Number two, by what they do. Praise God, they're people of faith. Now, we're talking today. Last week, we talked about what we do. Today, we're talking about what we say. And there are people that they may not know where you live. They may not know what kind of car you drive. They may not know where, not know where you work. They may not know how much money you have. But when you speak one word, they can tell that's a believer. We're in the grocery store, and you say, blessing, or bless you. In fact, you know what the Bible says? In Deuteronomy 10, verse 8, it says Levites. That's the Old Testament priesthood. Guess who the New Testament priesthood is? We are. We are a priesthood of believers. And Jesus is the great high priest of our faith. And so he says, Levites, priests in the Old Testament, were to do three things. They were, number one, to minister to the Lord. That is your first ministry. They were number two, to bear the ark of the covenant, right? Carry the word of God, right? And the center of it was the word of God. And they were number three, to bless in his name. Listen, this person at my gym, she noticed every time Lawson leaves this place, he says, have a blessed day. And she recognized that. And now she's beginning to tell me, after about three years of knowing her, She's beginning to tell me, Jesus blessed me. Jesus has been good to me. Jesus helped me. And now even other people are coming in on the conversation. You don't know how one little word can really encourage somebody. One little word can really strengthen somebody. One word can help somebody. Do you know one word from God could change your life? So faith is, you know, our confession is connected to our possession. Our confession is connected to our faith. God created the heaven and earth with his word. He called it into existence. Joshua commanded the sun to stand still. And the sun obeyed the voice of a man. Never been in history before, history since. Amen, but it happened on that day. Amen. Elijah spoke, called, you know what? He, he stopped the famine by his word. He told the king, he said, Ahab, Ahab was a really wicked king. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. What did he do? He went and he prayed, right? He looked out over the Mediterranean Sea and he prayed 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 seven times. In fact, the Bible calls Elijah in the book of James chapter 5, a man of like passions as us. And he prayed, and when he prayed, amen, the heaven gave forth its rain. Elijah called, stop the famine. And, and after he prayed seven times, he sent his servant. His servant looked out over the sea. He said, what do you see? He said, I see a little cloud. Looks like a man's hand. He said, wicked king, you better get out of here because it's about to rain, and it's going to rain like you have never seen it rain. Hallelujah. And then in 2 Kings, there was a Shunammite woman. She had a miracle baby. And one day, he, he was out in the field, and he was working with the father, and the father brought him in, and he sat on her lap for a while and died. And so she went to her husband and said, listen, I want you to saddle the donkey. I got to go see the prophet. And he said, well, is everything okay? She said, it shall be well. But you know, her husband was about a two-hour donkey ride. 
And while she was going there, I could, I could just see her. She left her, her baby dead on his bed, right, on the prophet's bed that she had built. She had built a room on her house for the prophet. And her reward was she got a child. And then that child died. And so on, on the way, she saw, it shall be well. This is what I think happened. Maybe I'll see it back, played back in heaven. Amen? This great, it shall be well. But somewhere along that two-hour donkey ride, something changed on the inside of her. And she said, it is well. And when Elisha looked at her, he, 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 you know, he said, how's everything? She said, it is well. It is how many of you know in the natural it didn't look well how many of you know she didn't feel like it was well but there was something on the insider that was greater than what was on the outside of her and she said it is well and when Elisha came back he laid himself on that child seven times until his flesh became hot and he breathed in his mouth and Elisha raised her child from the dead Amen. Listen, God spoke and heaven was created. Joshua spoke and the stood, sun stood still. Elisha spoke and stopped the famine. Hallelujah. Elisha, uh, this Shunammite woman, spoke and saw her son raised from the dead. Jesus spoke and demons departed and diseases left and the sick were healed and, and, and hungry were fed. Amen. And the dead were raised. And Peter spoke. And people were saved. And Peter spoke. And the Spirit came. And people were filled. And Paul spoke. And demons disparted. And diseases left. And we speak. And salvation comes. And healing comes. And freedom comes. And blessing comes. And favor comes. We speak in the name of Jesus. We speak in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You have power in your mouth. You have power. Amen. Your tongue. You have authority in your word. So you know what? We need to keep believing and we need to keep speaking what God says about us. In fact, we need to have a confession of the goodness of God. I was reading in my daily Bible reading the other day in Joshua chapter 23. And at the end of Joshua's life, Joshua chapter 23 verse 14, Joshua said this. He said, I want you to know that not one word concerning the goodness things that God has said has failed. Every word that he's spoken has come to pass. What is your testimony of the goodness of God? We need to have a testimony of the goodness of God. We need to have a confession of the goodness of God. Psalm 27, 13 says this. It says, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Are you believing? Are you speaking about the goodness of God? Are you telling the other people in the world, God has been so good to me. He saved me. He healed me. He freed me. He blessed me. He helped me. Amen. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about the goodness of God. Amen. We need to have that testimony. Do you know what? Your testimony is connected to your eternal destination. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and verse 33. He said, whoever will confess me before men, will I confess before my Father. Whoever will deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Amen? Your, connect, your confession is connected to your eternal destination. You know why I say Jesus is Lord? Because he is Lord. Because I believe that he's Lord. 
See, Romans 10, 9, and 10 isn't some piece of magic. Romans 10, 9, and 10 is the whole summation of everything that Paul said in Romans till it got to chapter 10. Hallelujah. He says the gospel in Romans chapter 1 is the power of God to salvation to everybody who believes it. He says the Gentiles are caught up in philosophy, idolatry, lust, and they need righteousness. He says in Romans chapter 2, the Jews are caught up in legalism and they need righteousness. He says in Romans chapter 3, there's none righteous, no, not one. Everybody needs righteousness, and God made righteousness available in Jesus. He says in Romans chapter 4, the way you get it is by grace through faith. Amen? Abraham's example of faith, David's an example of grace. He says in Romans chapter 5, when you believe on Jesus, you go from the reign of sin and death to the reign of grace and righteousness by faith in Jesus. He says in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, here's how you live as those who live in the reign of righteousness. You're dead to sin, you're dead to the law, and you're alive in the Spirit. Glory to God, you got the same spirit that raised up in Jesus from the dead. He says in Romans chapter 9, hey, God had a plan for Jews and Gentiles. It's called faith in Jesus. And he says in Romans 10, 4, Christ is the end of the law. He's the end of performance for righteousness for everyone who believes. And then he says this in Romans 10, 6. But the righteousness of faith talks this way. Here's how people of faith talk. Don't say in your heart, who's going to go into heaven to bring God down from above? We don't have to go. We, some of you trying to pray like Old Testament people, trying to pray God down from heaven. He's already come down from heaven. He already lived on earth. Jesus lived sinless and holy and perfect when he lived on this earth. He says in Romans chapters 6 or 10 and verse 7, he says, and, and it, it, the righteousness of faith doesn't say who's going to go down into the grave to get him up. Jesus already went to the grave. He already conquered the devil. He already rose from the dead victorious. But what does the righteousness of faith say? He says in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, here's how faith people talk. The word is in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... Why do we confess Jesus? Because God made him Lord when he raised him from the dead. We heard the gospel and believed it. We heard that Jesus came. We heard that Jesus lived sinless, holy, perfect, and pure, died on the cross for our sins. He went to the grave and conquered the devil. God raised him from the dead, and we believe it. And because we believe it, we say, Jesus is Lord. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, what you believe with your heart is very important to what you receive in your life. Some people are making empty confessions and wondering what, why they don't work. But what you believe, if you will believe in, with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. See, God made righteousness available when Jesus died and rose again, but I believed my way into it by faith when I heard the gospel. Amen? And because of that, I believe Jesus is Lord. Because I believe with my heart Jesus is Lord, I say with my mouth Jesus is Lord. Because with I, I believe with my heart Jesus is my Savior, I say with my mouth Jesus is my Savior. Because I believe with my heart, Jesus is my healer. I say with my mouth, Jesus is my healer. 
Because I believe with my heart Jesus is my provider. I say with my mouth, Jesus is my provider. I am the blessed of the Lord. I've been believing this stuff a long time. I remember when I was high school, they were making fun of me because I bought a house when I was in high school. They said, what are you going to do with that house, Pastor Lawson? You're going to marry somebody and live in that house? No, I said, I'm going to rent that house out and I'm going to make money. You know, I bought that house. It had somebody from old Mexico and somebody from Lamar, Colorado living in it. They were married. And I rented it for several years. I'd go by. It was on the wrong side of the tracks. Amen. But I'd stop by on Sunday morning or Wednesday night when I went, pick up the rent. They always paid their rent. Once in a while, they're a little bit late. I said, I'll come by next Wednesday or next Sunday. Next time I'll be in town. They always paid their rent. After I owned that house a couple years, something on the inside of me said, sell that house. I put that house in the market and sold it. Made money. Prospered. Blessed. Amen. But they were making fun of me when I bought that house. But that's not the first house I bought. Amen. Then I bought another house. And then Barbara and I sold that house when we were going to go in the ministry. We took half the money, you know, from that house. We had it paid off already before we went in the ministry. We took half the money, and we put in the cattle business, and we put, took half the money and put in another house that we bought in Kit Carson. And when we sold that house in Kit Carson, we took that house and, and sold it, and we took our feedlot and sold it. We took all the money and put it a down payment on our house here. Amen? And we had to go to six banks before one would loan us the money. Because my 1040s did not show that I had enough income to buy a house in Colorado Springs at that time. But I found a different banker. He said, I'll prove your income a different way, and I'll get you the best loan that money can get. And he did. I had a banker sit across the desk. And this banker told me, you can't even afford to buy a lot in this school district, let alone a house. And you know, I looked across the desk. Barbara said, I kind of raised up in my chair. Barbara said, I turned beet red when I said it. I said, if I couldn't do it, I wouldn't be here. Now, you know, I wasn't trying to be rude. I wasn't trying to embarrass my wife. But the fact is, God had spoken to me. And what God said to me was more important than what some worldly person sitting across there looking at my 1040 said to me. Amen. And I not only bought that house, I bought another house and another house and an office building. And we built two churches. Amen. So God forbid that some banker sit across the desk and tell me that I can't do what God told me to do. See, because it's not the banker's opinion that matters or the doctor's opinion that matters or the lawyer's opinion that matters. What matters is God Almighty's opinion. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if God told me I can do it, I can do it. I live by faith. We walk by faith by what we believe about God and His Word and not by sight. But our confession is connected to our eternal destination. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 6, turn there really quickly. Verse 12 says this. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, says this. Fight the good fight of faith. How many of you know sometimes face a fight? Sometimes it doesn't look like you're receiving in the physical what God said is yours in the realm of the Spirit. But it says fight the good fight of faith. It says lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on the promises of God whereunto you're called. And have professed a good profession before many witnesses. 
The next verse talked about Jesus who confessed a good confession. When they accused Jesus and they said, you say that you're king of the Jews. Pilate said, this is the accusation they have against you, that you say that you're king, is, king of the Jews. What do you have to say about that, Jesus? He said, you say it. In other words, Jesus did not deny who God said that he was. And you need not to deny who God says you are. So what kind of profession are professing? Are we professing? He says, here's how you fight the good fight of faith. You profess a good profession. In fact, the Greek word for profess here is the word homologio, and it means to confess, to profess, to promise, to acknowledge, to give thanks. It means confession is made. To say the same thing as another. To declare openly, to speak out freely, to praise or to celebrate. He says, you have professed a good profession. The word profession here is the word homologia, the Greek word. And it means what we profess to be ours, what we confess, what one professes or confesses. So are you professing what God said about you? Are you saying what God said about you? Are you saying that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus? I'm blessed by the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Amen? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Amen? I'm favored by the most high God. Praise the Lord. Are you saying what God says? We need to say there is power in our confession. Amen? Our confession is connected to our eternal destination. So I'm going to confess Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my provider. Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my deliverer. Jesus. I'm going to boldly profess Jesus. Not only is my profession connected to my eternal destination, but my profession is connected to the lordship of Jesus. You know, the Bible says this in Philippians chapter 2, because Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, that God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess to the glory of the Father that Jesus is Lord of things in heaven. Jesus was Lord in heaven, creating all things, that Jesus is Lord on the earth, Jesus was Lord on the earth when he walked on the earth. He was Lord over sin, Lord over sickness, Lord over demons, Lord over death, Lord over disease. And Jesus is Lord when he went to the grave. He conquered Satan and he rose victorious. Jesus is Lord. Amen. So I'm going to boldly profess Jesus. In fact, I don't believe we need to apologize for it. I'm going to boldly profess what the word of God declares. I don't need, believe we need to apologize for it. I don't believe we need to make excuses for it. I don't believe that we need to be ashamed of Jesus or ashamed of the Word of God. And last of all, you know what? I don't believe that we have to defend, it, to defend the Word of God or the name of Jesus. I believe the Word of God is big enough to defend itself, and I believe Jesus is big enough to defend himself, but I'm going to boldly profess what he said about himself and what he said about me. Amen? Hallelujah. And I believe as we keep going forward, we keep believing and speaking what God says, we're going to see a lot of very supernatural things happen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.